Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You. And I want to ask you a question today. And I have a lot of Jewish listeners that listen to this podcast and a lot of Christian uh, listeners that listen to the podcast. And I want to ask a question to my Christian friends. If you are a Christian, are you a Christian first or an American first? And you would probably say, well, man, I'm a, I'm a Christian first. But what's happening in America today, there's many conservative evangelical churches and pastors that are being swept into the Christian nationalist movement, and they're putting um, America before their Christianity, and they're allowing their pulpits to become bully pulpits to foment against, guess who, Jewish people in America. And I'm heading out this weekend to the University of Texas where I'll be speaking at a conference on this very issue of uh, Christian nationalism and how it is uh, embedded into Christian nationalism is a horrible anti-Semitism. So Christian nationalism is rapidly expanding in the U.S. and sewn into the fabric of this movement is viral anti-Semitism. And so you may say, well, that's not happening in my church. My, my pastor's still, you know, preaching the Bible, and, and I think it's so important. I was a pastor for 35 years, and I never used the pulpit to preach politics. The pulpit is used to, to teach the scriptures, uh, not politics. Uh, the problem is significantly few Christian leaders are addressing this growing trend, and the canary has stopped singing. And you remember the early coal miners, they put canaries in the coal mine because they were hypersensitive to methane uh, gas fumes. And when the canary stopped singing, it was an alarm bell for the uh, miners to leave the mines immediately to save their lives. And they took the canaries with them, thank God, to save the little canary's life. But Christians aren't paying attention. And the canaries stopped singing and when the canary stops singing and, and anti-Semitism begins to grow in the church, uh, historically, it is a sign of a much deeper problem in the society. And what is Christian nationalism? Well, Russell Moore is the uh, editor of Christianity Today. He says it this way. Christian nationalism refers to the use of Christian words, symbols, or rituals to shore up an ethnic or national identity and to distinguish this group from those they define as outsiders. And the outsider for the Christian nationalists, they'll, they'll use the term globalist, which normally refers to the Jewish uh, people. They, they use words to cover their anti-Semitism. Um, I say this, Christian nationalism is a religious cult. It's an unchristian, but it employs Christian concepts and discourse to deceive its followers. Those who serve up the Kool-Aid to the masses of this movement have sold out their Christian conscience to the seduction of power and position. At its core, Christian nationalism is a political ideology of protest. 
It's a revolt. Some would say an insurrection against anyone or any institution opposed to its fundamental belief that America's national destiny must be Christian, and it is a Christian's duty, according to this movement, to persuade the government by force, if necessary, to return to its Christian heritage. But Christianity was never meant to be a political ideology. On the contrary, ladies and gentlemen, Christianity finds its purpose not in protest, politics, or power, but through loving justice and showing mercy, especially to the poor. I mean, read the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus. What's in there about political power? Nothing. It talks about uh, being merciful. Um, The growing Christian nationalist movement in the U.S. seeks to convert America into a Christian nation by changing laws, taking over state and federal government institutions. The rhetoric of the movement is quickly mutating, becoming more violent due to the fact that it is reactionary and fear-based. Christian nationalists have always needed a nefarious character, an enemy representing evil they can blame for the problems of their time. Historically, the enemies of choice for Christian nationalists have been Jews. And when Christian nationalists talk about globalists, the media, Hollywood's immorality, and world's banking system, all enemies of Christian nationalists, they are most often referring to Jews. One of these Christian nationalists, his name is Charlie Kirk, and now he's a monthly speaker at a church in Phoenix. I used to attend uh, their annual pastors' conferences. Um, that they've held these conferences for probably, I don't know, 30, 40 years, and they were amazing, encouraging pastors from all over the country. And this church now is a mega church, probably 20,000 people, and they have a network of, of churches. Well, they've embraced... Uh, Charlie Kirk and his brand of Christian nationalism, um, and their conference was this this week, the end of February 2024, and Charlie Kirk was one of the keynote speakers. And Charlie Kirk recently said about the Jews, it's not just the colleges, it's the nonprofits, it's the movies, it's Hollywood, it's all of it. The number one funding mechanism of radical, open border, neoliberal, quasi-Marxist policies, cultural institutions, and nonprofits is Jewish donors. And so he claims that wealthy Jewish people are, are uh, investing in Hollywood and they're investing in turning America into a Marxist nation. And that um, ideology has been spread for 70, 80 years. It, it was very prevalent within the messaging of Nazi Germany. So the challenge is communicating the dangers of contemporary Christian nationalism to Christians who are merging their religious and political ideologies with anti-Semitism and are indifferent, they're in denial or they're sympathizers or supporters of Christian nationalism. And beginning with the early church fathers, Christianity severed its ties with Jews and Judaism. They wrongly taught that the Gentile Christians had become the new Israel and superseded and replaced the Jews as God's chosen people. In his day, church father Justin Martyr began sowing the heretical seeds of separation. In his book, Dialogue with Trifo, a Jew, 
Jushin argues that whatever used to belong to Israel has now become the property of Gentile Christians. Here's what he says. The true spiritual Israel and descendants of Judah, Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham, are we who have been led to God through this crucified Christ. We who have been quarried out from the bowels of Christ are the true Israelite race. They, God's promises to Israel, are not yours but ours. We too would observe your circumcision of the flesh, your Sabbath days, and in a word, all your festivals, if we were not aware of the reason why they were imposed upon you, namely because of your sins and the hardness of heart. And so Justin started the ball rolling that later became known as replacement theology, supersessionism or triumphalism, a heretical theology still being preached today in pulpits all across America, in our seminaries across America, theology that says the church has superseded uh, Israel. It's triumphed over Israel. It's replaced Israel. And so future church fathers, after Justin Martyr, would build upon his heretical teaching. And this new doctrine of the church was motivated by Gentile triumphal arrogance over the Jews. And the heretical doctrines that Justin Martyr birthed became known, again, as replacement theology. And by the time of Church Council of Nicaea in 325, the rejection of Judaism was commonplace. It was during this council that the church merged with the state and became a nationalistic power. During the Council of Nicaea, Emperor Constantine would say, and truly in the first place, it seemed to everyone a most unworthy thing that we should follow the customs of the Jews in the celebration of this holiest solemnity, Passover, who polluted wretches have stained their hands with a nefarious crime, are just blinded in their minds. It is fit, therefore, that that rejecting the practice of this people, we should perpetuate to all future ages the celebration of this rite in a more legitimate order. And so they change from celebrating uh, Passover to uh, a whole new creation called Easter celebration. And by 535 uh, CE, Emperor Justinian would proclaim the greatest gifts God gives to men are the uh, church hierarchy and priesthood for the service of men and the empire for the order of human affairs. So throughout church history, the natural result of replacement theology was violence against Jews, and in many cases, having aligned itself with governing bodies, the church was able to weaponize the state to carry out violent actions against Jews. By the time of the Holocaust, Christian churches passionately aligned themselves to the nationalism and racism of the rising Nazi government, and without the comp compliance and full-scale support of the church, the mass murder of six million Jews would have never happened. And, and so that is what's happening today, is there's this merger of church and empire. And when the church merged with the empire under Constantine, from that day forward, it never went well for Jews. During the Inquisition, the church, they didn't want to put Jews to death. And so they empowered the state. They weaponized the state to carry out the executions for them. So they came up with a theological idea that uh, we want to make sure that Jews that have converted to Christianity are no longer practicing their faith. And many Jews in those days, to save their lives, they converted. And so they inquired. It was the Inquisition. 
and they would inquire of these Jews, and if the Jews were found out to still be practicing Passover and the other feasts, uh, they were tortured and oftentimes put to death. But the church used the state to carry out capital punishment against the Jews. And so those were scary days, and, and that happened again during the Holocaust. Church and state merged. And in his book, The Crucifixion of the Jews, Franklin Littell uh, writes this. Franklin was a um, Methodist pastor who, after World War II, was commissioned by the United States government uh, to go to Germany to denazify German Christians. And so he spent 10 years in Germany dealing with the issue of how the church, how pastors and, and bishops in both Catholicism and Protestantism, how they came to the place of justifying the murder of 6 million Jews. And again, Hitler couldn't have acted alone. He needed willing executioners, and so he appealed uh, to the Christian uh, masses of Germany, and they complied, and they were the ones, baptized Christians, who poured the gas into the gas chambers. And so here's what um, Franklin Littell writes in his book, The Crucifixion of the Jews. The genocidal note is already present in the superseding or displacement myth. The Nazi final solution was a logical extension of the thought of those church fathers and councils who declared God was finished with the Jewish people. The superseding myth, and again, he's talking about supersessionism or replacement theology uh, heresy. The superseding myth has two foci. God is finished with the Jews and secondly, the new Israel, the Christian church, takes the place of the Jewish people as a carrier of history. The third step comes naturally to the Gentile tribes when they go over into apostasy to expunge the Jewish component altogether. Any effort to divest the churches of responsibility by categorizing the Nazis as neo-pagans ignores the centuries of false teaching which made the murder of the Jewish people possible and logical. Christendom was impregnated with hatred of the Jews. The wiping out of the Jews would be inconceivable without the cooperation and participation of the Christians. It came neither suddenly nor unexpectedly. It is no accident that the ideologues of anti-Semitism, I'm sorry, I ideologies of anti-Semitism have borrowed their weapons extensively from the arsenal of churchly teachings and terminology. And so history is repeating itself today. And um, we're seeing this uh, replacement theology and supersessionism uh, come back into American Christianity. And there is a genocidal note being sounded. Here's what uh, one of the keynote speakers of the Reawaken America tour, which is a is a um, Christian nationalist tour that tour that is crisscrossing America uh, with tens of thousands of people that have been attending these conferences. Scott McKay, he's been one of the keynote speakers at uh, Reawaken America. Um, he's also known as the Patriot Street Fighter. And during uh, his August 3rd, 2020 podcast, The Tipping Point with Scott McKay, McKay stated this, Jewish people built Hitler. He was created by him. Hitler was attempting to break free of the Rothschild's corrupt money magic fiat system that didn't have usury-based structure and was trying to build a banking system for the people and the free world. 
They use Judaism, speaking of Jews, as a cover for what they're really doing. And of course, what do they do? Put in their Babylonian money system. McKay goes on to say that Hitler was trying to take down the same people, the Jewish people that we are trying to take down today, and they're hiding behind their Judaism and not allowing us to take them out. And um, so these are the kind of viral voices that are speaking in these Christian nationalist events. Uh, another Christian nationalist, anti-Semite and Christian uh, Nick Fuentes, he is the founder of America First uh, PAC. So what's the ideology? America comes first. America is before my Christian faith. Fuentes regularly proclaims the great replacement conspiracy theory the Jews are attempting to invade Christian America. During his live stream podcast, America First, with Nicholas J. Fuentes, on June 24, 2022, Fuentes stated, If Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a Jewish woman, didn't die last year so that Amy Comey Barrett, a Catholic woman, could be appointed to the bench, we would still have Roe vs. Wade and added, now you tell me that this is a Judeo-Christian country. You tell me that it doesn't matter that we have a lot of Jewish people in government. We need a government of Christians. Jewish people can be here, but can't make our laws. So what he's promoting is the same thing the Nazis promoted, is that Jews need to be taken out of the public square. Jews need to be taken out of the universities. Uh, lawyers that are Jews need to, be, uh, need to lose their jobs. In the December 8th, 2023 live stream of America First podcast, Christian nationalist Fuente, this is just a couple months back, he said this, there is an occult element at the highest levels of society, specifically among the Jews, when we take power, that's the Christian nationalists, when we take power, they need to be given the death penalty. Wow. What's he saying? Jews need to be executed once Christians take power. These people, he goes on, who are suppressing the name of Christ and suppressing Christianity, they must be absolutely annihilated when we take power. This is God's country. This is Jesus' country. This is not the domain of atheists, devil worshipers, or perfidious Jews. This is Christ's country. So this is the heartbeat of Christian nationalists. Uh, they truly believe that America must be a Christian nation. That means that Judaism, all other faiths, must be done away with. And the perfidious Jews, according to Fuentes, uh, those that um, he doesn't approve of, they must be executed um, when Christians take power. So why is this nationalistic ideology happening within Christianity in America today? And I'm telling you, uh, I... I I deal with this every day. I studied every day, and uh, I fear what is happening in the American uh, evangelical conservative uh, Christian movement today. I really do. Churches that are embracing this ideology are mixing their faith with the empire. They want uh, American empire to be forcibly made Christian so that they can institute by force their laws of Christianity. Uh, so why is this argument happening? Because I believe several reasons. One is theological misinformation, uh, the teaching of deicide, the false Christian doctrine that proclaims Jewish people are guilty of murdering Christ, and that guilt has stuck on them. 
uh, generation after generation, when in reality, uh, it was the Italians that crucified Christ. Christ was crucified on a Roman cross. Uh, the nails driven in were driven in by Roman soldiers. Jews could not practice capital punishment. And so it was Pilate who was a murderous, brutal dictator that um, brought down the death sentence against Christ. And so should we be blaming the Italians because of that one-man Pilate and those handful of Roman soldiers that crucified Christ? Should we blame the Italians for the last 2,000 years? Well, that's what we're doing to the Jewish people. Uh, we're blaming the Jewish people for 2,000 years. So that doctrine still exists within Christianity. Uh, another uh, myth is replacement theology, supersessionism, triumphalism. And that, again, is the false Christian doctrine that proclaims the church is the new Israel and has replaced or superseded and triumphed over Jewish people. There's also psychological manipulation, evangelization, and recruitment into a battle of good against evil to an individual's need to belong. And it's kind of like the, the bandwagon effect. You know, people, it's like a psychological phenomenon where you see everybody jumping into this and you think to yourself, well, you know, I better get on this bandwagon before it's too late. And so all this is happening within Christianity today in, on the, in the uh, conservative levels of, of evangelicalism. And it's really frightening to see. And so, again, let me ask you the question, uh, are you a Christian first or are you an American first? And let me, let me read you a quote. And it would not surprise us to learn that a contemporary Christian nationalist remarked this way. Today, I believe that I'm acting in accordance with the will of Almighty Creator. By defending myself against the Jews, I am fighting for the work of the Lord. And you would hear many Christian nationalists say that today, that, you know, we're coming against Jews because they're trying to uh, bring Marxism into America. We're, we're coming against Jews because they support Hollywood and the entertainment industry. And so, uh, you know, it's okay for us to hold anti-Semitic views because we're really trying to change America. We're really working for the Lord. And so that statement, by defending myself against the Jew, I'm fighting for the work of the Lord, is attributed not to a present-day Christian nationalist, but to Adolf Hitler. It's found on page 65 of his book, Mein Kampf. And uh, English translation of Mein Kampf is My Struggle. Hitler's declaration has engendered much debate about his purported Christian leanings. What we do know is that he mastered the merger of Christian piety with his political ideology, and the combination appealed to the nationalistic hopes of German Christians. The context of Hitler's famous assertion from Mein Kampf is frightening. And here's what he writes. You, you can't just take that quote out of context. And the context behind that statement by defending myself against the Jew, I'm fighting for the work of the Lord, is really frightening. Here's what he says in the paragraphs preceding that quote. For me, this was the time of the greatest spiritual upheaval I've ever had to go through. I had ceased to be a weak-kneed cosmopolitan and became an anti-Semite. Have we an objective right to struggle for our self-preservation 
or is this justified only subjectively within ourselves? Hitler's asking a, a drastic question here. Do I have a right, objective right, to struggle for the preservation of Germany against the Jew? And in these words, Hitler explains his supernatural, because he said, I went through the spiritual upheaval, his supernatural transformation into an anti-Semite. And he asked the question of whether or not there is a moral justification for struggling against the Jews in order to preserve Christian Germany. And for Hitler, the core of his life struggle was the Jewish question. In his next few paragraphs, he answers his own question. What's the question? Do I have a right to struggle against the Jews to preserve Christian Germany? That's the question. And he answers it by saying this. As I delve more deeply into the teaching of Marxism, again, remember Charlie Kirk? Uh, the Jews are the supporters of not Marxism. What has changed in all these years? Nothing within Christian nationalism. It's the same uh, evil um, enemy that... Christian nationalists are coming to. They make the Jew their enemy. As I delve more deeply into the teaching of Marxism, says Adolf Hitler, and thus in tranquil clarity submitted the deeds of the Jewish people to contemplation, fate itself gave me the answer. The Jewish doctrine of Marxism rejects the aristocratic principle of nature, thus it denies the value of personality in man, and thereby withdraws from humanity the premise of its existence and its culture. The result of an application of such a law could only be chaos on earth, it could only be destruction for the inhabitants of this planet. If with the Marxist creed the Jew is victorious over the other peoples of the world, his crown will be the funeral wreath of humanity. Hence today, here comes the quote, I believe that I am acting in accordance with the will of Almighty Creator by defending myself against the Jew. I'm fighting for the work of the Lord. So Hitler saw his struggle as a cultural war against Marxism and those he believed to be its creators and promoters, Jews. By blending his rabid anti-Semitism and political ideology of nationalism with Christian teaching, he was eventually able to inspire Christian Germany to morally justify contempt for Jews and ultimately commit mass genocide in the name of Christ. The fact that the Holocaust was planned and implemented by German-baptized Christians is an indisputable historical fact. In his book, The Holy Reich, uh, Nazi Conceptions of Christianity, 1919 and 1945, and it's a, it's a great book. You should, you should grab it if you can. Richard Stegman Gall makes a historically accurate and detailed argument that the Nazi Third Reich saw itself as a conservative Christian movement. And here's what Stegman Gall writes. Christianity in the final analysis did not constitute a barrier to Nazism, quite the opposite. For many of the subjects of this study, the battles waged against Germany's enemies constituted a war in the name of Christianity. Nearly all the Nazis surveyed here believed they were defending good by waging war against evil, fighting for God against the devil, for German against the Jew. They were convinced that their movement did not mean the death of God, but the preservation of God. And in the eyes of these Nazis, the Jew was an enemy of Christianity as well as of Germany and the Aryan. Many of Hitler's speeches and writings show the ostensibly conservative Christian tone of Nazism. On this subject, Richard Stegman Gall states, at a Christmas celebration, now this will, 
This will send shivers up your spine because many people over the years have said, well, Hitler wasn't a Christian. I don't know whether he was a Christian or not. Of course, he didn't act like one, but he certainly, historically, it's a historical fact that he presented himself as a Christian. And here's what uh, Stephen Gall writes. At a Christian Christmas celebration given by Munich branch of the NSDAP, National Socialist German Workers' Party, in December 1926, Hitler maintained that the movement's goal was to translate the ideals of Christ into deeds. The movement would complete, and here's what Hitler says, the work which Christ had begun but could not finish. On another occasion, this time behind closed doors and to fellow Nazis only, Hitler again proclaimed the centrality of Christ's teaching for this movement. We are first to exhume these teachings. Through us alone and not until now do these teachings celebrate their resurrection. In nearly evangelical tone, Hitler declares that the true message of Christianity is to be found only within Nazism. He claims that where the churches failed in their mission to instill a Christian ethic in secular society, his movement would take up the task. Hitler not only read the New Testament, but professes in private to be inspired by it. That's on page 27 and 28 of Richard Stegman Gall's book, The Holy Third Reich. And so what's happening today is that there's this cultural um, upheaval happening within uh, America. Christians who embrace the ideology of nationalism today in the U.S. firmly believe they're on the front lines of a cultural war against evil. In their view, America is in danger of being taken over by nefarious dark forces that uh, promote, and you guessed it, cultural Marxism. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. The puppet masters behind this evil are, well, Jewish people, according to Christian nationalists. The same pathway that led German Christians to justify contempt for Jews prior to and during the Holocaust is being trodden by Christian nationalists today. And there's a bandwagon effect, which is, again, I'll repeat it, a psychological phenomenon which a person embraces a behavior ideology because a large group is promoting it. It's happening in the American Christian right today. It grew in strength and numbers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Churches that protested the restrictions were viewed as courageous heroes in the cultural war, and churches that complied were viewed as cowardly. And in many cases, the churches that refused to submit to the restrictions grew exponentially, and their pastors have since become cultural warriors preaching a mixture of scriptural piety and nationalistic ideology. The Christian pastor who once felt called to minister to the poor and to care for widows and orphans must now decide if he needs to join the bandwagon of Christian nationalism in order for his church to survive. If he joins that wagon train, he will begin to proclaim the anti-Semitic rhetoric embedded in the ideology of contemporary Christian nationalists. And here's the rhetoric. Jews fund cultural Marxism. Jews are behind sex trafficking. Jews are pedophiles. The Rothschilds control the American economy. There's an occult element in the upper echelons of Jewish society. America is controlled by the Jewish mafia. The impeachment of uh, Trump was undertaken by a Jew coup. That's what these guys are proclaiming today. As the pastor 
rides the wave of Christian nationalistic fervor currently exploding in America, his audience, as well as his church finances, will increase, providing him some solace for the crisis in his conscience for not being true to his calling. As he hops on this nationalistic bandwagon, he will struggle over the question of whether showing contempt towards Jews is morally justified as he attempts to save the country from what he believes is the evil of Jews. And let's not forget that the author of Mein Kampf struggled with the same exact question. He struggled with the issue, is it okay for me to objectively struggle and push back against the Jewish people if I'm really trying to preserve Christianity in Germany and preserve Christian uh, German society from Marx's Jews. And Hitler answered that struggle by saying, yes, it's okay for me to be an anti-Semite as long as I'm putting Germany first. And so the problem that happened in Germany is Christians were German Germans first and Christians second. And so I pray if you're listening to this today and you're a Christian, that uh, you, will, you will put your Christianity first, that you'll show mercy, that you will be a person of kindness and gentleness. And what Christian nationalists are saying today is, if you, if you practice the Sermon on the Mount, you're actually a coward. That was said recently at a Christian nationalist event. Uh, one speaker got up and said, we've heard too long, turn the other cheek. It's now time that we stop turning the other cheek. It's now time we go on offense and fight against these perfidious Jews in the United States of America. And so I would, I would hope and pray that if you are in a Christian nationalist church that's fomenting this kind of ideology, that you will speak truth to power, that you'll come to your pastor and say, listen, why aren't you preaching the gospel anymore? Why aren't you preaching the Sermon on the Mount? What's with all this anger uh, that you're fomenting from the pulpit? And I, I would pray that you as well would, uh, in your own Christian conscience, say, uh, I'm a Christian first and an American second. I'm a patriot. I, I want to let you know that. I'm, I'm 100% patriot. Uh, I believe in, in praying for the country in which I dwell. I love my country. I love America 100%. But I'm not a nationalist. Uh, there's a big difference. I'm a patriot, but I'm not a nationalist. A nationalist desires to overcome the government and make America uh, specifically a Christian nation by force if necessary. So be a patriot, yes, and uh, have a Christian conscience in this world. Have a good reputation with outsiders. Share your faith uh, with those that you work with. I mean, be a person. Let, it, let the expression of your faith, sometimes not even with words, just by your lifestyle and the way that you live. So I pray for you today as we are in this upheaval in the United States of America as Christian nationalism is taking hold of our pulpits, that there'll be a remnant of Christians that will stand for their faith, number one. We'll see you next time on Israel and You.